I'm Helen Karakulak. And I'm Alice Murphy, and this is Overworked But Optimistic, the podcast where we address a new topic every fortnight, looking into the various ways it affects us and consider how we can better balance the many things we like and occasionally don't like to juggle. We're all too familiar with being overworked and aiming to be increasingly optimistic. Whether you're studying, working casually, part-time or full-time, pursuing a career in big picture objectives or just trying to make it through the day, this is the podcast for you. We recorded this episode back in the beginning of March, which among all the craziness feels like light years ago. Recording our episodes around gender roles and International Women's Day was really interesting and informative for us, but this is a bit of a lighter one compiled of all of the stuff that didn't make it into those episodes that was just a bit of fun touching on what feminism means to us and having a good chat about positive female role models. We'll be back with more new content in a fortnight's time. And until then, you can follow our social media at OvButOp, spelt O-V-B-U-T-O-P. You can tag us in your hashtag OvButOp lockdown stories, which have been really great to see what all of you guys are up to in quarantine so far. You can also check out our COVID chats, Instagram story highlight on our Instagram profile, where we're sharing not just what all of you guys are up to and what we're up to, but also some really awesome local businesses to support in this time as per our last episode. So let's kick off with what we think about when we think about feminism. Both culturally and personally think about your feminism and is your feminism intersectional and if it's if your feminism is only benefiting cis rich white women to me that's not what feminism is about no absolutely (coughs) not and I think that your feminism needs to be intersectional and your feminism needs to be inclusive and I think a lot of the time that's why feminism gets a bad rap because we have this idea of a typical feminist keyboard warrior upset about the price of mangoes who doesn't shave our legs because razors for women are more expensive than razors for men. Which is bullshit, to be fair. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) I haven't shaved in so long. (laughs) And I'm so happy that, like, I was the other day, I was like, just stroking my little leg hair <laughs> you're like they're like your pets you have a little garden and that you're grooming. Just, it's like it's not it's such a small thing but it's also such a big thing to be like I used to think that I had to shave so often because I always had to have like hairless legs and hairless armpits and now I'm like hey <laughs> and I just, liberate your body hair yeah it's just about um like I don't feel like I have to do it for someone else and when I do it it's for me yeah while people that are listening might think why have they gone on a tangent about body hair I think that that's a really important part of International Women's Day I'm sorry I'm laughing Alice is stroking her arm hair and if she doesn't stop I am going to put it on the Instagram story But I think that's just as important of a part of this conversation purely because that is part of the wonderful empowerment that we get to feel that women 10 years ago probably didn't. And even myself, like developing as a woman and as a young adult and being in high school and thinking, oh my God, I have to shave. Oh my God, this is horrible. No one can know I have hair. Forbid we have hair on our legs and our armpits where it naturally grows. God forbid. (gasps) (laughs) There are still plenty of people that think that that's what a feminist looks like. Unshaved legs and um, a moustache and hatred for men. But First of all, hatred for men is misogyny, not feminism. Those stereotypes and cliches that lead to this 
internalized shame that we have to be shaving our legs and that we have to fit into a certain look and we have to act a certain way to become a certain kind of socially acceptable woman I think that that's a really important part of the conversation because what we think a feminist looks like has changed from people now what we think feminism looks like versus 20 years ago what they thought feminism looked like versus what it really looked like and I think that's a really important thing to consider especially around International Women's Day especially around celebrating the accolades of women and men that have made such important strides towards gender equality I think that um breaking down those barriers and breaking down those stereotypes and changing the way that unshaved legs is an insult or that it even really matters at all it's how the patriarchy monopolizes and trivializes feminism by saying that we're unclean yeah the sort of whole idea of feminisms are all hairy and gross and ugly and lesbians and they can't get a man and that's why it's femi- and that's why they're feminists instead that idea is basically saying oh i shouldn't have to respect women unless i find them attractive and if you only respect women you find attractive you're not respecting women exactly and it's not just about respecting women it's about respecting everybody Mm. feminism is equality and equitable reasonable respect for everybody yeah exactly that because that's what it comes down to equality and respect for everyone um regardless of gender regardless of sex regardless of sexual attraction regardless regardless of whether or not you shave your damn legs I think I was maybe 15 or 16 when I went to my first International Women's Day March and that was just empowering and eye-opening experience I was relatively new to living in the city at the time and I hadn't been to anything quite like that before and it was just all of these people and not just women I think that's where sometimes people think it's just about women being there but it's not there were uh women and men and everyone in between uh mothers fathers grandmothers daughters sons small children and it was just this environment of everyone supporting each other and it was really positive i, I want to have my like march against misogyny shirt and i like wearing it because old men look at me really grumpy um i want to touch on what you said about how it is an environment for everyone particularly how small children were present what i really don't agree with is the idea that you can be too young to be aware of what's happening because i think that that is a great environment and and although I think you appreciate it at a different level as you get older particularly like if I went to an event like that in high school I probably wouldn't have appreciated it as much as I would now having grown so much in that time and having learnt so much about my own idea of feminism and just growing as a person but I don't think that that necessarily means we should leave out kids from that conversation because yeah okay you don't need to go into in-depth conversations about genocide with a six-year-old but there is still something like if they're they're going to be feeling the same things that we felt and they're going to be feeling and seeing those levels of inequality as they grow up and you start seeing that and experiencing it really young as well and even if you can't quite articulate those feelings yet to know that there is a community of people that are recognising that change needs to be made and celebrating the achievements of each other 
that's a really positive environment and I don't think kids should be excluded from that. Definitely not. And I also think that, like you said, um, uh, you appreciate it now more than you would then because of what you've learned and how you've grown. But events like that are a great way to learn and grow because you, like you said, you see the community, you hear some amazing people speak and you it's a good way to become more informed. If you're bringing a small child, you don't need to you don't need to tell them the whole history of women's suffrage, but telling them we're going to this to celebrate the fact that I can work the same job as your dad now and to make sure that in the future you and your sister are able to have the same opportunities. That's international women's day and what feminism is about and kids understand about opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I think um, the greatest example I can think of about Yes, you'll edit and censor the conversation depending on the age group that you're appealing to. I think a great example of that, um, which is one of my absolute favourite female role models in the world, is Malala Yousafzai. She's amazing. So I read her book when I was in high school. We love young female positive role models. Yep. So Malali Yousafzai is known for her activism for girls and women's rights, especially for being allowed to go to school. And she was a victim of a gunshot attack by the Taliban in 2012. And she has since won a Nobel Peace Prize and received a lot of other really important accolades and is has her Malala Fund and is making an effort to help educate women all around the world and give girls equal opportunity. And I think that in terms of talking about how we change the conversation and edit and censor to be able to have younger generations understand the importance of these stories even though they can be quite graphic and quite violent like in the case of Malala she was really young when she was shot and she has been through so much and I read her book I Am Malala which was uh, her autobiography it's beautiful 100% recommend I also recently purchased Malala my story of standing up for girls rights And it's essentially her story, but it's targeted at children aged seven to nine years old. And it's a illustrated adaptation of her best-selling memoir, I Am Malala. And its point is to introduce readers of those ages between seven and nine to the incredible story of this teenage girl who risked her life to go to school. Just because it's a long and complex story doesn't mean that there aren't ways to tell children. The same way that at school in science, you start by saying like plants eat sunlight and then I'm sure if you get further into a um, university degree in science, they're not saying it like that anymore. Exactly. And there's also uh, the story of Malala's magic pencil, which is um, for ages 5 to 12 years old and it's the same idea. It's talking, it's telling her story but from the perspective of what she felt and how she made a wish for a magic pencil that she could use to redraw reality. And isn't that just the best title for a book as well? Exactly, especially for a children's book. Yeah. I, I'm literally going to purchase Malala's Magic Pencil. <laughs> on, I'm on Booktopia right now. Let's take a quick break while Helen spends all her money. <laughs> I'm going to get a copy for every child under the age of 12 that I know. I actually have this book series. <clears throat> Um, called Girls FC and it's about the story of this and each book is follows a different player and it's about the story of them making a girls team because there weren't opportunities for them but there were for the boys and I absolutely adored it when I was younger and I want to I'm trying to figure out who at soccer I can give it to because I'm like 
These girls just need to all read these books because I, I just adored them when I was younger. And reading about fe- like female footballers was so good. Yeah, and I think that there's some really great books out there that can tell those stories. Um, the one that comes to mind that I recently bought for my sister, and it's for ages six plus. Um, it's called Fantastically Great Women Who Changed the World by Kate Pankhurst, who's um, the relative of uh, Amelia or Ameline Pankhurst. Emmeline. I don't think I'm saying her first name correctly, but she... Uh, Miss Pankhurst was a pioneer of the women's suffrage mm. movement. There's also uh, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls, and I think there's a male equivalent as well. Uh, the title escapes me at the moment. I remember I had a book when I was younger called The Daring Book for Girls. And I still have it because I refuse to give it away. Mm-hmm. And it has so much in it from it has short stories, it has stories about amazing women who did amazing things um it had games to play like light as a feather stiff as a board it had um camping tips and tricks and how to tie different knots for survival and stuff like about first aid like it just had so much and it was I loved it and I still have it and I'm gonna keep it forever (laughs) and there's always there's also uh titles like stories for kids who dare to be different um and another good feminist reading that comes to mind is uh, Fight Like a Girl by Clementine Ford. She's mm-hmm. an Australian author and I would argue also a pioneer of the feminist movement. I love her. Also, um, How to Be a Woman by yes, Caitlin, by Caitlin Moran. Moran. And uh, by the same author, How to Build a Girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, Clementine Ford also has... Um, boys will be boys mm. which I'm reading at the moment which is very interesting someone told me look for feminism outside the radicals like Caitlin Ford <laughs> not Caitlin Ford Caitlin Moran Caitlin Moran yeah I just mixed their names together didn't I <laughs> you did I think Caitlin Ford is a soccer player um, I had to look for more chill out feminism and not the radicals like Caitlin Moran I don't think that we should be divisive of radical feminists versus friendly feminists. I think we're all just feminists and we all just want equal rights. And some of pe- some people handle their um, emotions towards injustice and inequality by throwing a brick through a window and others do it by responding with a lengthy message on a Facebook post. Either way, we all just want the same thing. I just I also think like in that situation it's interesting because basically I was told by a guy that I wasn't attractive because my feminism was too much and it's like okay you've just proved why I need feminism. <laughs> Can we talk about uh achievements of like great women that we look up to and sort of examples of how far we've come to how how where how far we've got to go? Yeah. Uh anyone in particular you want to I think big ones when we think about how far we've come, we think about people like Frida Kahlo, Rosa Parks, Coco Chanel, Marie Curie, all of these great women that achieved such great things. Rosa Parks, I think, is a big one. If you were going to pinpoint a series of events that led to how far we've come and how we treat each other now, I think she's a good example. Another example of someone that I think less well-known is Muriel Matters, a South Australian feminist activist and journalist. Is she the one that chained herself to Parliament House? 
Yeah, she was. Muriel Matters, the daring Australian suffragist who spurred a Me Too movement in British history. In a quiet back street in the heart of Adelaide, there's a mural of a woman who may have otherwise been forgotten. Her name is Muriel Matters and she was the trailblazing force behind some daring acts of defiance. That's from an abc.net.au news article from 2018 by Sophie Kestevan and Fiona Kroll for the History Listen ABC Radio National. And this article is all about Muriel and her dream of becoming an actress in Australia and how after she moved to London, her admiration for the stage took to an unexpected turn towards activism. So at the time that she moved, having grown up in Adelaide, women had been able to vote and stand for office since 1894. I think that's one of the great things that not a lot of people know about South Australia is that a lot of women here had um, rights before a lot of women in other places in the world. And when Muriel moved to the UK, she was appalled at the lack of women's rights and she began attending meetings of the Women's Social and Political Union, which was headed by Emmeline Pankhurst, as I mentioned before, a pioneer of the British suffrage movement. And um, she chained herself to Parliament House. Um, Oh, but first she made international headlines by climbing aboard an airship that was emblazoned with the slogan, Votes for Women. If you're not looking up to her at least a little bit by now, what are you doing? (laughs) It's really inspiring to hear about people who achieved so much and added so much to these movements who are just, when it boils down, a girl from South Australia. Definitely. And uh, she was actually the first woman to speak in the British House of Commons. She hadn't exactly been invited to speak, but she was the first female speaker. She chained herself to the grill that obscured women's views of proceedings at London's Houses of Parliament and addressed the assembled politicians. I will put a link to this article because I think it's amazing. And I'll also put up this picture of the little airship that she set sail with the big writing (laughs) votes for women written on it. Um, onto all of our social media. So jump onto Ovbadop on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter to have a look at those. Yeah, so I just um, double-checked. She was actually born in Bowdoin in Adelaide, which is... Just around the corner. Basically, like, right around the corner from where we live. So that's pretty cool as well. That is cool. And I know that if you're interested in more information or I think they're still doing work today if you want to contribute, there's a foundation or group called the Muriel Matters Foundation. She has such a great name for a foundation. Right. Like she has such a great name to have become a pioneer of like the feminist movement because like Muriel Matters and so do all of you. Right. How good is it? So if you are interested in learning more or about her and about suffrage, particularly in South Australia and Australia, the Muriel Matters Society has a website and you can be a member and you can learn about her and her life and her activism. So obviously we've touched on uh, past pioneers of the feminist movement uh, from Rosa Parks to Muriel Matters to Malali Savzai, who is still a present icon in my opinion. Let's touch on some other women that are still doing some incredible things now and that are carrying on that legacy. I think a big one, Michelle Obama. Oh, I love Michelle Obama. She's just this embodiment of intelligence, really, and her work with girls all over the world. We spoke earlier about the fact that feminism, feminists are often imagined as privileged white women. Michelle Obama, 
not white, which is nice to see um, feminism and feminist icons being people of colour who are just doing amazing things. Another woman of colour that's doing amazing things, Jamila Jamil. Oh. Uh, if you haven't seen The Good Place, what are you doing? Jamila Jamil plays Tahani in The Good Place. She's also well known on being very vocal on issues of feminism, sex education and anti-dieting advertisements. She's done a lot for body positivity and um, she actually worked with Instagram with uh, what she calls her I Way movement to actually make it illegal to show advertisements for dieting products to people under the age of 18. And her just to touch on the I Way movement, it's a movement about... Um and it's not exclusive to women, about weighing more than the number on the scale because we are historically, especially as women, told that our appearance and our weight is very important. But it's about what do you weigh outside of that? So people would post photos with I weigh and then list the things that make up who they are. That aren't that necessarily aren't. material or centred around their body. Yeah, so it's you might weigh your intelligence or the fact that you're an amazing sister or... Or your successful <laughs> podcast, which has lots of great ratings and reviews on Apple. Please write some reviews. I weigh my five-star reviews. <laughs> Love you guys. Um, we've also got uh, Margaret Atwood, the author of The Handmaid's Tale, which, whether or not she knew it, would become very, very successful and very, very relevant still years after publishing in the yeah. 80s. Is that how long ago it came out? Yeah, like The Handmaid's oh Tale... The Handmaid's Tale was published in 1985. I did not realise it was published that long ago because it sort of, I guess, had a re-emergence recently. It did. And I think a lot of that was due to um, the Hulu series that was starring Elizabeth Moss um, yeah. that came out in 2017. Um, oh, my God. I can't believe that came out in 2017. That's like three years ago. Yeah. I feel old. Um, no, I read that book for year 12 English. Um, it wasn't an assigned book that I read. I chose it. <laughs> but it almost, it's almost a cautionary tale. There are lots of women that we have to look up to and we're very, very lucky from Reese Witherspoon to Laverne Cox to um, all kind uh, to Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, um, Malala Yousafzai, Greta Thunberg, Tarana Burke. Well, I think it's really inspiring and amazing to see uh, young female activists. Definitely. Obviously, um, female activists of any age are important, but to see the confidence and intelligence of young women like Malala and Greta who have not let anyone tell them they can't do it. Mm. I've got a feminist recommendation for you and for anybody who's listening. Uh, Reese Witherspoon has a Netflix series called Shine On and each episode uh, she interviews a different um, female icon she i think the first episode is with dolly parton she does uh she has pink america Ferrer, uh and plenty of others um i'm halfway through it at the moment it's really really interesting and they discuss um how they use their platforms for good and how they can contribute to positive change and it's really really inspiring and really really lovely to watch i watched a couple episodes with my stepmom uh, particularly the one with Pink I watched with my stepmom who just had a baby and she was in tears. Like the way they spoke about motherhood and what we're contributing to society and the world that we're leaving behind for our kids was just so moving and I think it will hit everybody in a different way as a daughter, as a mother, as a brother, as a son, as a sister, as someone who cares about the world. You have to watch this show. 
Pink is incredible to hear talk as well. She, I can't I remember. Love her. It was the MTV <clears throat> Music Video Awards. Is okay. that what you're talking about? I, I don't remember what award it was. It was probably that one. And she gave a speech about her daughter and her daughter's experience as a young girl. And just basically the speech was, it read like a, not read, it sounded like a love letter from mother to daughter about you are enough and don't let anyone ever tell you that you're not because you always will be. It's amazing. We'll put a link on our Facebook page and um, we'll link to all of the things that we've spoken about today that we can link to. Yep. That's it for this week's episode of Overworked but Optimistic. Make sure you tune in next time for our next episode. Uh, in the meantime, you can keep up to date with us on our social media at Ovbutop, spelled O-V-B-U-T-O-P on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.